Hey guys, it's Abdul for the good folks over at Leon Tailoring, 809 North Delaware, downtown Indianapolis. Start your 2024 off right with some new clothes from Leon Tailoring. Something new, something tailor made, something ready made, or something custom made. They got the finest in men's and ladies' apparels, and they also take care of you as well. They've been around for almost so near 100 years and some change, and don't stick around that long unless you're getting it right. So get it over to Leon Tailoring. Tell them Abdul sent you, and they'll take care of you. Leon Tailoring, 809 North Delaware, in downtown Indianapolis. Well, the real estate market has been interesting in Indiana, to say the least, and joining us to talk about that is our good friend Mark Fisher, no longer with the Indy Chamber, now with the Indian Association of and a half Realtors. Years. I know, but I like reminiscing. <laughs> There's been a lot of reminiscing in this town. We, we've known each other a long time. So how's it going, my friend? How's, how's the real estate business doing in Indiana these days? Well, we're glad it's not 2023 anymore. <laughs> uh, no, it, it's uh, it's looking up. Um you know, uh, home ownership is the American dream, uh, and we're looking for ways to put people in homes and make sure that the uh, transactions go as smooth as possible. So, it's uh, our our members have have weathered the storm and are looking to a brighter uh, brighter tomorrow. Um, so, what was it about 2023 that just didn't, but that wasn't as agreeable for realtors as you guys yeah. hoped it would have been? Well, first, long term inventory challenges in the state of Indiana. Since 2014, we've lost about 75% of our daily listings. And so the competition, we have a good problem in the state. We're growing in population. Um, that, But that just adds pressure. Basically, after the 08-09 downturn, we stopped building houses. Uh, and as we've grown in population and demographics and people have shifted throughout the state, uh, the supply just has not kept up with the demand. Uh, it is more costly to build homes now. There's labor issues, there's supply chain issues, there's a lot, lot of availability and, and local regulations that, that drive up the cost, unneedlessly drive up the cost of, of housing development. And so a lot of the houses that we are seeing be, been built are at the top of the, the market or top of the, the, the price range. Uh, and so we really have an acute shortage of that workforce housing or the or the starter homes, that sub $200,000 home is really a big challenge for us. Uh, but that didn't happen overnight. But the big story 2023 was the rapid increase of, of the mortgage interest rates. Um, we already had an affordability challenge because of supply and demand. Uh, when you add in the uh, impact of those mortgage rates on, you know, people don't necessarily buy the price of a home. They buy that what they can afford on a monthly mortgage. Um, that really had a huge impact on demand. So demand pulled back. But perversely, it also exacerbated our supply challenge. Um, we call it the lock-in effect. Those people that have a sub four percent mortgage that may be re ready to, you know, they've had another kid or they're ready to downsize, but they can't trade in that really low mortgage rate for a higher, you know, almost double uh, or more uh, mortgage rate, and that affects that monthly mortgage uh, cost and that affordability, long-term affordability. So we have a supply issue. The mortgage rates going up, you know, rapidly in one year. Uh, I think that's the most rapid increase we've seen. Um, that actually exacerbated our, our inventory challenge because people weren't uh, putting uh, putting homes on the market. So people weren't as mobile as they as they normally would be. So sales were down fourteen percent in twenty twenty three over twenty twenty two. Inventory was actually up. So if a house is put on the market, it's priced right, it's ready to sell. Those were moving. Otherwise, people because of the the demand side uh, weren't you know weren't really um, ready to pay the twenty twenty two prices in twenty twenty three. So uh, inventory was actually up. But what we really saw is even though. Sales were down 14%. The prices were still up 4%. Uh, but what really shocked us was the, the precipitous drop in new listings. We actually hit a 25-year low in new listings last year. Now, between... 
2008-2009 to the last great sort of almost sort of economic recession, depression, and, and today we had that COVID stuff in between. Yeah. Did, did you have you guys recovered fully from the from the COVID pandemic yet? COVID, uh, the the COVID years were a boom years. I mean, they were almost anomalous years. We we kind of when we tried to look at, at stats and, and trends, we kind of have to go back to 2019 uh, as people were spending more time in their homes. They weren't spending money on uh, on experiences. They were spending, they were looking to expand their home at office space. If they were working from home, all of a sudden you're in your house 24 hours a day and you realize you really don't like it or you need more space. And so that pandemic boom, you know, and also people moved, moved from higher priced uh, locales to, you know, more affordable locales. Maybe they needed to be closer to family or they wanted a little bit more acreage. And so uh, the pandemic years were boom years for, for home sales. Uh, but we've seen that really ratchet back with the interest rates, uh, both on the supply side, again, with that lock-in effect and the demand side of people just saying, maybe I'm going to sit on the sidelines to see what, what happens with mortgage rates. Our guest in the room today is our good friend, Mark Fisher, the Indiana Association of Realtors. Talk about uh, sort of home sales and real estate here uh, in the state of Indiana. Uh, Mark, another issue too uh, that has popped up lately has been the issue of property taxes. Yes. As, as you well know, as, as well as anybody. Yeah. How has uh, sort of the property taxes and assessments uh, impacted home sales? Because on the one hand, everybody loves it when their home is is worth a lot more than when they bought it. Yeah. But got these property taxes that go along with it. Yeah, so, um, you know, we pay our, our property taxes in arrears. So, we're just now kind of catching up with what the, these rapid increases in price. In some markets, it's, you know, kind of two years, year over year of 18 to 20% increases. And so, that will be reflected in, in the property tax, uh, the property tax bills. What we want to be careful about is they're not inflated, artificially inflated assessments. The market is working, and, and the assessments are reflections of what's happening in the market. Whether you like that or not, whether you think that's unrealized capital gains or not, the market, the, the assessed valuations are based off of market trends. So we've worked too long and hard as a state, and especially as an association, to make sure that those assessments are, are reflect the realities of the market. So we don't want to mess with the assessments. We don't want to put artificial caps on the assessments. Um, if you want to talk about credits on the back end, I think the legislature did provide some uh, targeted property tax relief to longtime homeowners, people on fixed incomes. We want to we want to support efforts to keep people in their homes. I will also note that we have the best home, you know, homestead property tax system in the entire nation. Um, and so uh, we, we are advocating for, for targeted property tax relief. One of the things that we did advocate for last year was there's a case out of Marion County where uh, the DLGF got a little bit ahead of their skis. We're instructing local assessors to say, hey, if you got a one acre parcel, only the house and one other structure counts towards the one for 1% property tax subs. Everything else is 2%. Well, um, there was a court case, overturned that guidance, and, and we went into the legislature and said, why don't we make all structures on a one-acre parcel subject to that 1% property tax cap? So you can have a, uh, a house and a garage, a pole barn, uh, a pool, a gazebo. You know I like my barbecue. If I could build one of those ginormous brick, you know, barbecue sets, that would all be one percent property tax cap. Now, so we we are doing a lot to do targeted property tax relief. But I want to be very clear: we like the assessment system because it does reflect what is happening in the market. So here's a weird question for you: Let's say I work from home and I convert one of my homes to an office space. Is that commercial or is it residential, or does it, or how does that work? 
Or is that just one of those weird questions? I gotta go find a property tax lawyer. You should go find that. <laughs> you should uh, consult counsel on that one. <laughs> hey, I just thought I'd ask you while you're bringing it up. Our we, guest, deal with, we deal with systems. Okay, you know? not necessarily individual issues like my spare bedroom. <laughs> I, don't, I, I want to stay out of your bed. <laughs> and I greatly appreciate that. <laughs> our guest on the program today is our good friend Mark Fisher. Mark is the head of the Indian Association of Realtors, a real estate group here in the state of Indiana. So talk about home sales and property taxes uh, and the whole uh, nine yards. Uh, Mark, another issue uh, that's popped up there has been, uh, to, to a lesser degree, the issue of, like I said, you know, property taxes and assessments. Has that impacted uh, new home sales, or is that just sort of the cost of doing business? I think that's the cost of doing business. I think what we, you will see, though, is while home prices are going are still going up, we don't expect a crash because we don't have the inventory to crash. Um, but what we have seen is is that rate of, of price inflation uh, really starting to slow. So where we were seeing 15, 18, 20% uh, through the COVID years, we're seeing you no know, normal two, four, 5% increases in property values. Now, all markets are local, so you're going to see different fluctuations based on where you are. But statewide, we only saw a 4% increase in, prop- in, in property values. That's And it's for us a simple supply and demand. We, we support programs like, you know, down payer down payment assistance programs and first-time homebuyer assistance programs, but that addresses the demand side. We really need to be laser-focused on supply side. So last year with the legislature passing a revolving loan fund for local governments to proactively extend infrastructure. Uh, But I think uh, the other story is probably the most transformational program we've got going on is READY. Uh, the Regional Economic Acceleration Development Initiative through the IEDC, uh, $500 million set aside for these transformational projects. Well, the first round of Ready, 42% of all the dollars went to housing. So you can see that uh, policymakers, uh, economic development professionals, uh, mayors, community leaders are all recognizing the interplay between economic development and housing policy. And I was going to ask you about that. Uh, How does housing fit into Indiana's workforce development? Yeah. No houses, no people, no jobs. That's what the National National Association of Economists says. And I think that our IADC, our local economic development professionals are all getting that, uh, that that they they need to be less reactive. Uh, and more proactive in addressing housing to be able to absorb that investment in those new people. So what's going on in Kokomo right now? I mean, exacerbated inventory challenges because they've had all that investment. What's happening up in New Carlisle in the South Bend area, same thing. Um, you know, we had a, a past president, you know, talk to the economic development uh, professional and say, great job bringing those those plants to our area. We'll be selling houses in Michigan. So uh, we need to make sure that we are, are focused and working with partners, uh, both in government and the private sector, to really address this this inventory challenge. One of the big issues, uh, and not just here in Indiana, sort of all over the place, is the issue of, quote, unquote, affordable housing. Yeah. What is affordable housing? Because what because what you can afford is maybe what different what I can afford, which yeah. may be different than my yeah. than my niece and nephew can afford. Yeah, and the, how you define some states have defined what affordable is. Um, you know, we you can talk about like the subsidized LIHTC programs, which are like sixty percent AMI or area medium income. Um, what we're talking about with that that what the missing middle. You might hear that term a lot is the missing middle, and that's really that starter home. That's. 80% to 120% AMI and that area median income. So that depends on how much, you know, your area is the average in your area. So um, really that's what we're, we're really acutely short on is that starter home. Now, a great way to unlock some inventory is to build homes in that second tier or the higher price points because people are able to u- utilize their 
uh, you know, the the equity that they have in their home to trade into a higher house, uh, and that creates uh, that creates some inventory at the low, lower level. But we do really need to drive um, a more affordability. I think that was one of the emphasis um, uh, the impetus of this revolving loan fund last year was if you can take some of that upfront cost and regular and time regulatory and, and time uncertainty off of uh, the builders, you know, by proactively extending infrastructure, uh, you can create a more affordable product and you can deliver it faster if that infrastructure already exists. Mark Fisher with us for a few more minutes on the program today. Mark with the Indiana Association of Realtors. So, Mark, uh, where does where does one build? Uh, in, in Indiana, because there's not a whole lot of places to really build homes here, for example, in Marion County. So you got sort of the suburban donut county, so to speak. Let's talk about Franklin or certain parts of, of Pike. Hey, you know, having worked at the Indy Chamber for a long time, <laughs> I, I, I used to say you could be in a you know $10 million condo in downtown and a working farm in a 15-minute drive. Yeah. So there is still a lot of land that you can develop here in Indianapolis, Marion County. Central Indiana is growing, booming. You know, the, what's happening in, in Hamilton County, Westfield, uh, Boone County, Hendricks County, uh, you see a lot of development. But those are also um, areas that are growing. You know, Central Indiana is growing fast. Uh, compared to the rest of the state, uh, and and so you have national builders. It's really these smaller smaller communities that may not have the workforce um, or the national builders that can really build at scale that really need that that help. And that's why last year's infrastructure fund, uh, a lot of that money was set aside for for smaller communities. But I'll, I'll let the builders address you know where and how you can build. I know they've got a lot of, of a lot of work they've done on. Um, you know, kind of removing some of the environmental restrictions, uh, looking at zoning codes. I think what Todd Young is doing uh, with the YIMBY Act, the SMI Backyard at the federal level, which would require uh, any community that gets uh, CDBG dollars, Community Development Block dollars, to put their zoning codes up online so people can better understand the impact of restrictive zoning codes on housing affordability. And so there's building going on. Um, it, a lot of multifamily is being built as well. Uh, we support developing all types of units at all price points. Uh, good renters become good home buyers. Um, and so we really need all types of products being delivered into the market. Uh, so as we uh, get right down the conversation, uh, what, are, what, are, what are, is, or have any Indiana lawmakers done to help hinder or obstruct the housing market here in Indiana? Well, first and foremost, constitutional property tax caps, right? <laughs> like, as much as people want to to dog on on. on property taxes, we have the best homestead property tax system in the nation. And those do pay for essential services. Um, they've, they've capped, you know, they've looked at the levy growth cap. So, you know, you don't, local governments can't just have this huge windfall and continue at the same rates. Uh, they've provided prop, uh, targeted property tax relief. They've provided the, the infrastructure funding. They've provided uh, ready funding. They've provided a lot of grant funding and, and, and support for the Indian Housing Community Development Authority. They've created a new uh, state-based affordable housing tax credit. So, so those affordable housing developers, the multifamily developers can, can pull down and leverage more federal uh, LIHTC credits. So I think the, the General Assembly is, is moving in the right direction. Um, we, it, it's, I think our hope is that some of these uh, uh, maybe pilot or trial programs are proof of concept, and we can really ramp up and, and put more funding behind these programs. All right. Well, our guest on the program day has been our good friend, Mark Fisher. Mark is with the Indiana Association of Realtors. They're all the folks who do all the home stuff uh, here in Indiana. One of the folks who do all the home stuff here. And uh, Mark, my friend, always good to chat with you. Thank you very much for being with us today. Thank you. 
This podcast was produced and edited by Chris Spangle and Leaders and Legends, LLC. If you're interested in starting a podcast or taking yours to the next level, please contact us at leadersandlegends.net.